The author Stephen King said, Monsters are real, and ghosts are real too. They live inside us, and sometimes they win. Grab your flashlight and get whatever makes you feel safe in the dark. In today's episode, we're going on a monster hunt. Welcome to Starling. I'm Amy Markham. Thank you for joining me here to connect with and maintain your creative practice. I hope you're finding our conversations interesting and useful. And if so, consider following the podcast on whatever platform it is you like, and maybe leave me a review or a rating. It helps this little blackbird fly. So before I get started, I do want to say that there is a really big thunderstorm going on outside, so I'm hoping that doesn't interfere with what I'm doing here, but it so fits what the conversation is going to be about today. So today we are going straight to the center of the labyrinth, Minotaur be damned. So I hope you're ready. (laughs) I hope I'm ready because we're going deep into the dark to talk about fear and how it can unravel our creative practice. Being an artist of any sort asks us to earn a badge of courage and bravely face all sorts of things that bump around inside of us. How many of you have actually stopped making things because of fear? Maybe it just had you stall because of fear, like you just slowed down and took too many breaths, (laughs) maybe you um, stopped a project or two but got back to them, or maybe it actually took your creativity away for a really long time. Fear says some pretty horrible things to us. Things like, who do you think you are? No one wants to hear what you have to say. Why are you trying to make anything? You're not that good at it. And the big one, Don't you dare tell anyone you're an artist because you can't back that up. Fear is made up of so many little things. Uh, Self-doubt, self-consciousness, insecurity, the inner critic. And it has a very loud voice that can drown out everything if we don't get it in check. There is a you that really knows how to shut fear down. It may have been a while since you've been around that you, so let me remind you about that part. Once upon a time, you were a fearless conqueror, overcoming every challenge that life threw at you. You probably don't remember this because for most of us, this was so long ago, it's nearly forgotten in our memories. But there was a time when you couldn't even walk. So you crawled, and you pulled yourself up, and you fell, and maybe you even got bruised, but you kept going until you could walk. Nothing deterred you, and you overcame every obstacle that life threw at you. You kept pushing till not only could you walk, but you could run, and then you went with that, and you learned to talk, and read, and write, and ride a bike. (laughs) Let's think about that one for a second. Um, 
No matter how many scrapes and bruises you got, when you were learning to ride that bike, you kept getting back on it because you knew that was a vehicle for freedom. And you can substitute skateboard or scooter or whatever you want there. But in your childhood, sometime before puberty, there were so many things that you just went through fearlessly because it was vital to your existence. I recently took some of my middle school students up to New York, and one of the things that we saw while we were there was the Fearless Girl statue. This is that bronze sculpture by Kristen Visbal of the young girl with her hands on her hips, looking determined. For a while, she was on Wall Street in front of the bull as a statement piece, but she has her own spot now. It was really interesting to watch people interact with her and pose for pictures. From my group, mainly it was the girls who stood with their hands on their hips beside the sculpture or behind it. A few of the boys did as well. But the one that really interested me was all the adult women on the trip that seemed to really be trying hard to connect with the power that this bronze young child exudes. It's that energy, the energy that that girl has in that sculpture that I want you to envision when you think of yourself and that childhood bravery, because you've had that fearless courage before and it carried you forward and it can do it again. But there was some point in our lives where fear began to creep in and cover our fearless self. I would say it was probably around puberty when all those hormones flood us and we become self-conscious and full of doubt and insecurity. We get that fear of rejection and fear of failure, it starts to take over that fearless you and make you question so many things. And real things start to happen too. Life impacts us and we start to respond to the way the world treats us. You know, we deal with shame and pain and loss and grief, but the artist's soul wants to turn all that stuff into something to give expression to emotions and experiences that there may not always be words for. So we draw pictures and we sing and we dance and we create stories to soothe ourselves. Some of us actually share those and some of us are too afraid to let those creations be seen by others. Throughout history, artists have documented their experiences with fear and sorrow and pain anything that overwhelmed them. Think about the works of uh, Goya's Third of May or Munch's The Scream or any of the stories that Edgar Allan Poe wrote or The Sound of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Anyone who interacts with those works of art can personally connect and realize that they're not alone in whatever they're going through. Art gives the artist a cathartic process to push through hard experiences and dark feelings. And when the artist shares that with the world, it gives others the chance to understand what we all feel like when we're being human. The New Orleans artist Candy Chang went through a terrible loss in 2009. Death took a mother figure from her very suddenly. And as she was working through her own grief and loss, she looked around her neighborhood and saw a building that was all boarded up. As a way to process and connect, she created a piece called Before I Die. 
It was an interactive public art piece. She made that by covering the boarded up building with chalkboard paint and stenciling, before I die, I want to, and a blank line. That was for people to fill in themselves. She left colored chalk out there for people to write their responses, and in less than 24 hours, the wall was completely full, and it kept filling up every day. This work has been recreated all over the world, and thousands of people have engaged with this to figure out what they want from their life while they're here. Meanwhile, it also helped the artist, Candy Chang, deal with her own grieving process. She took a personal loss and made a universal experience. Art can do that. How many of you have listened to sad songs to try to heal your broken heart or grabbed a box of tissues and sat down to watch a sad movie so that you can connect to something both inside and outside of yourself? If you're working on a creative practice, there are several ways that we have to work with fear. One is as inspiration for our own work, and the other is overcoming all the fears that stop us from making that work in the first place. Let's address some of those. So get that flashlight, because we're going to need to shine a light into some pretty dark places and get comfortable with how they're affecting our creativity. So how many of you work with fear of failure? Failure is actually built into the creative process. So let's get that one out of the way first. (laughs) If you are working, you are going to fail. You have to. You have to fail. You only get better if you try and you fail and you learn why you failed and then you try again. Every time you fail, you should be cheering and congratulating yourself, having some sort of failure celebration, because it means you've learned something. And I know it sounds super cheesy and lame, but it's true. Failing moves us forward. Somewhere I heard about a writer who covered their entire bathroom in all the rejection letters that they got from submissions they made. So it was like a badge of honor that they had tried and failed, and yet they kept going. You need to make friends with failure right now. Shake hands with that little demon and agree that you can work together and it'll be fine. If failure will agree that the only time it needs to be there is when you need to learn something, not simply to cause you anxiety or stress, you can have a good partnership in your creative practice. Now, the other side of fear of failure is fear of success. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's a real thing. Some people will actively sabotage their own success. If you have a habit of stalling or slowing down as you get close to the end of a project, it could be because you're afraid you're going to succeed. Success means that there will be a spotlight put on us and it will draw attention towards us, meaning that people might see all of our faults and issues. Some people feel like they won't be able to deliver the goods when everyone's looking at them. It's so much easier to just play it safe and stay kind of low and never really put yourself out there. Fear of success really has to do with fear of change. What happens to your world if you're successful? Things might change and you might have to be willing to change with it. 
But look, that can be really good for you. It'll push you forward, and maybe it'll make you even better if you let it. The important thing to consider here is what do you think success actually looks like? Does success mean that you're making things and enjoying the process? And maybe you're just sharing with friends and family as a way to connect with them. Does it mean that you're living off of your work? Does it mean that you're being shown in museums or on a bestsellers list? Does it mean that you're like Oprah-level famous? Knowing what true success looks like to you is vital to helping you overcome that fear. You don't have to be the next Beyonce or Andy Warhol to be successful, but you can if you want to. Which leads me to another fear that artists have, fear of being an imposter. This is connected to fear of success because if you become successful, everyone might see that you've been copying other people. A lot of people have heard that idea that we should fake it till we make it. But then what happens when we make it? One thing to remember here is that we all get inspiration from each other. And this is a closed system. It's a shared environment. There is no way that every idea you have is going to be original. You can pick up a thread of any idea you have and start to pull it and millions of stitches will unravel and reveal the way that you've been influenced and all the different ideas that you've been working with. We are what we've been taught and what we've experienced, but our experience, while universal, is also very personal. And that makes it so important for us to share our voice because that's our perspective. Us sharing our perspective contributes to a better picture. Imagine it as if we were all putting together a giant sculpture of human experience. It's like Walt Whitman says, the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That flows to our next and, in my opinion, biggest fear to confront And that's the fear of ourselves, facing ourselves. Because that one encompasses all of the other fears, in my opinion. Art is personal. It asks us to dig deep within ourselves and pull out all of our sensitivities and use them as seeds to grow our work from. We have to water all the things that we find overwhelming and scary and amazing and beautiful and lovely and horrible in an effort to bring forth from ourselves those verses that we can contribute to the play. Art is self-discovery and excavation. The creative process really needs you to get comfortable with all the things that you currently find uncomfortable. Look at all those things you don't want to look at. You've still got that flashlight, right? Personally, I've developed a habit of really sitting with things that scare me and make me uncomfortable. It's a practice I've been developing for a long time. When I was diagnosed with cancer, a lot of fear came up and people kept telling me I had to fight it. That's language I really had a hard time with. Cancer is part of the person who has it. It's their own cells. It was my own cells. My cells had turned against me and people were telling me I had to fight myself. That didn't feel right to me. It felt like I had to have more of a negotiation. I referred to it at the time as having tea with a dragon. 
The dragon was already in my house. And for me, it felt like if I was to fight it, it might just destroy my house. So I had to have a talk with it. We needed to come to an understanding. Me to me, eye to eye. So I would have a sit-down talk with it, and I would offer it some tea, and maybe it would offer me something in return. So that dragon and I, we're coexisting right now. Fear is like that too. It's a vital part of you. It serves an important role in your life. It keeps you safe. It reminds you that you should walk briskly through dark alleys at night and not to text while you're driving. But you have to make a negotiation with it. Bravery does not mean you aren't scared. It means you do it even though you are. I think that's a Neil Gaiman quote. Fear is always going to be there. It's how we face it that really matters. Right now, while I'm having this conversation with you and the thunderstorm is happening outside, fear is right here with me. I'm really nervous about doing this whole podcast thing. Fear has been yelling at me that I have nothing to say and that I should just shut my silly mouth. But but that me who took all the bruises learning to ride the bike has been speaking in a soft voice in the background. It's been saying things like, This could be fun, and I'm excited, and I can't wait to see what happens. And if I turn my ear towards that voice and encourage her to hop on my old childhood pink Huffy Sweet Thunder bike and start to run circles around that fear and self-doubt, maybe she can keep them busy while I move forward. For me, also, sometimes fear doesn't kick in until after I've jumped, So here I am in episode four of this podcast, realizing, oh, this is a little scary. This creative endeavor is making me think about how I use my voice and whether what I'm saying is worth sharing, if there's any need to do this at all. This is all what second guessing feels like, I guess. So I figured I'd go ahead and in this episode, I'd address it because I'm working with it too. Fear can inspire us. It can engage us or it can overwhelm us. So in this week's practice, I want to suggest working with fear. Let's flesh out what that monster really looks like, because sometimes we need to see them to make them useful. Let's go through some questions about fear and how it could be connected to your creative practice. What scares you about being an artist? Does admitting that you're an artist make you feel vulnerable? That's a big one for most people, including me. What's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, really? And how would you deal with that? And a better question, what's the best thing that could happen? And how would you deal with that? To really get down into the cave with this practice, I'm going to suggest that you make a new work around the theme of fear. Maybe it's something interactive like Candy Chang's work. Or maybe it's a drawing of what your fear looks like and a documentation of the way it moves and its habits, almost like a cryptozoological entry. It could be a horror story that you write about a beast that's trying to steal everything you love or a song you create that keeps fear at bay. There's no wrong way to do this. It's personal and it's your practice. So I'm going to encourage you to really spend some time in dark places this week and see if you can come to an understanding 
of these parts of yourself. On a side note, I always make playlists around themes I'm working with or through so that I can stay in the mindset of the theme when I'm not actively creating. So when I'm driving or cooking or cleaning, uh, I can put the music on and it keeps my mind with the themes a little bit. So I have made a playlist for songs associated with fear, and I'm going to link that in the show notes. I'll encourage you to make your own version of this. Uh, It might help you think through some of your own connections with fear, and also it connects you with the ways other artists have documented their own relationship to it. As always, I would love to hear from some of you about this week's practice and conversation. You can find me at ArtTeacherAmy on Twitter, uh, Instagram, you can find me at The Starling Creative, and my Facebook page, Starling Creative Living. Let me know what you unearth and if you're able to make an agreement with your fears so that you can keep moving through your artistic process. And I'd really like to know if you make something from it and what that turns out to be. Thanks again for being here and letting me share some of my own fears with you. It always helps just to admit that they're there, right? Good luck shining your light in the dark and enjoy your process.